and action. I have so many questions that are just random questions that I'm just going to wait until we're rolling on something. Okay. We are technically rolling. Is this audio rolling? Oh, well, then I can just talk to you. Great. Right. Um, are you originally from Connecticut? I am. I was born and raised in Chaplin, Connecticut. Ever hear of it? I have. You have? I've heard of it. I don't know exactly <laughs> where it is. It's uh, in Wyndham County, right outside of Willimantic. Okay. I went, my town had maybe 3,200 people in it. Yep. And my high school, I went to one of the smallest public schools in the state, Parish Hill Middle and High School, grades 7 through 12. I graduated with 34 students. Okay. So that was my uh, upbringing. And then I went to UConn for college, which was, you know, there were more people in my first lecture hall than in my entire, you know, six grades worth of high school. So crazy. Okay. Yeah. What'd you go to UConn for? I studied liberal arts, sociology, and women's studies. And originally I wanted to... Uh, become a lawyer and fight for women's women's rights and then uh, shifted to be thinking I would become a social worker and then ultimately decided I would go into some other form of human services which I did not do Um, so I ended up working at an insurance company and I started my career there in 2002 and actually still work there full-time Oh, okay. And I also do run a business as well. So I am very busy. (laughs) What's the business that you run? I run Empowered Indoor Cycling and Strength Studio in Glastonbury, Connecticut. It's a fitness studio. And we opened in 2016, December of 2016, first as a cycling studio. It was um, performance-based cycling. All of our bikes have power meters on them we have a bike con the bikes have a console on them so you can kind of see how hard you're working and on top of that we have state-of-the-art leaderboard technology and then in march of 2020 we opened uh, a second studio right above our cycling studio to be strength and that was actually the worst possible time to ever open any business because, of course, as you know, the pandemic hit. Uh, we opened on March 6th and then March 12th or March 12th, I think it was, we were shut down and had to go into quarantine for three months. So, um, you know, we're, we're uh, still going strong, um, but that definitely set us back. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So you do insurance by day and cycle by night. I work for an insurance company. I actually work in their technology department. Doing what in the technology department? Ironically, I run our um, collaboration and workspace technology, including our audiovisual technology. Okay. So I'm somewhat familiar with uh, podcast setup and uh, some of the tech that I'm seeing around the room. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Sweet. What is a liberal arts degree? Just more social sciences versus the hard sciences. So instead of studying math and science, calculus, I opted for psychology, sociology, um, what are often referred to as the soft sciences. Because Those are the soft sciences? Yeah, they're because, yeah. Because, Why mm-hmm. are they the soft ones? Um, I'm going back a long time to answer that question. <laughs> um, but I think it just has to do with the fact that there is a science to social, there's a science to psychology um, in psychology. Um, but there, but more of the science side is what people 
traditionally think as like when you think of science, you think of chemistry and you think of being in a lab and, and it's more of the human element. The other is more of the human element and talking to people and being more social. Hmm. I feel like without the human element, you don't have the other sciences. I agree. But I didn't want to be stuck in a lab, like standing, not talking to people. I'm a very social person. So for me to stand and be by myself, it just wasn't appealing to me. So you, how did that track for you? How did you go from wanting to work with people on a social level to going into insurance and then a cycling business? So I started teaching fitness classes when I was in college. I actually taught at UConn, and that's where I was uh, certified. And I taught for their program there. And then I worked at a local gym. I was living in Willimantic at the time. And I started to teach a lot of classes on the side. And at one point, I was working full time and I was teaching about 16 or 17 classes on top of my full time schedule. And I learned that I really liked fitness and I really liked helping others. And I feel like it kind of ties into my background of wanting to give back and wanting to be social. And um, so, so it was a natural fit. And it was... I started to save and I started to write my business plan to open a fitness studio. And ultimately, my goal still is to be able to fund, my, support myself through that business. Um, but I'm not there yet. And, and definitely the pandemic is partially to blame um, because I probably would be there if it weren't for the pandemic. Um, and so I am happy to, you know, be able to help others meet their fitness goals and their wellness goals. So... And you do that through cycling only? No. Um, I teach a, a variety of many different types of classes from uh, cycling to strength. Um, I have a bar certification, B-A-R-R-E. I know what you're thinking. Um, I'm sure you're certified in that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I've done, I've taught everything. And my favorite classes to teach are still cycling. I love teaching that. I think it's the most efficient workout, 50 minutes great calorie burn, low impact. That means no stress on your joints. It's safe. But I do like teaching, um, you know, barbell classes and, and dumbbell classes and other weightlifting classes too and kind of putting my own creative spin to them. So are you the only trainer there? No. I have a staff that work for me. I have numerous um, different instructors and uh, one is covering for me tonight so I can be here. And uh, happy about that. And I have a front desk receptionist and I have um, outsourced some marketing functions uh, just because it's it's hard to work, you know, 40 hours plus a week. And then I also am teaching between 16 and 18 classes. Um, I teach every morning. I teach every night and I teach uh, five, five or six classes on the weekend. So Good for you. try to stay pretty active. Always moving. Always moving. This is, it's very unusual for me to have a night off. Well, that's good. Yeah, it, it well, is good. Glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Um, so I believe the whole purpose, like the name of this podcast is Money Supports Happy, right? I am really tired of people telling, rich people telling poor people that money doesn't matter. Money's not going to make you happy. That's my least favorite statement of all time, I think, because it's complete bullshit. <laughs> I, you're like money makes you happy. I'm sorry. Like it just does. And it doesn't make you happy in having it. It makes it 
possible for you to have time to do the things that you love and enjoy, which will make you happy. So the idea that money's not going to make you happy is a ridiculous statement. And I get the idea that behind it of, well, just because you have money doesn't mean you'll automatically become happy. Right. But it is a lot less stress on your life if you don't have to worry about things because you have money to support not only yourself and the people that you love, but then also the things that interest you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I imagine you needed money to start your gym. Absolutely. Right. So how did that work? Where did you get that money from? Where did you? Uh, I saved. I didn't, I didn't take out any loans. I just saved, put, it, put money aside. Um, I opened the business with uh, my fiance and um, he helped contribute. And, um, you know, we worked hard. We, start, I, we started saving, both of us, um, he was saving for a, a second property, a vacation property. And um, I was willing to do that with him, but he knew I, my heart and soul was with fitness and that I had this great business plan. And um, he actually said to me, you know, we had, we started looking for vacation properties and kind of, it, it was fit one failure after another. And he said to me, quote, you're not getting any older. Um, you're not getting any younger. Do you really want to be doing this? Like it's taken us 10 years to save. Do you really want to be doing this? you know, 10 years from now, opening your own business? Or should we do it now and then start another, um, you know, savings account for the future? Right. And that's what we've done. Smart. Yeah. Good choice. I think part of it is um, money definitely makes things a lot easier and a lot more comfortable. Um, I do think that I've, I've met people at all levels of the spectrum, you know, in terms of their financial mm -hmm position and I certainly have met people who are very optimistic and very happy and, and very um, well off with what they have um, you know which is less than me um, and other people certainly um, but I, I think that it definitely does provide conveniences for things that you might want to do um, that you otherwise couldn't do um, so I, I think that a lot of it, though, is financial management and making sure that, you know, you're not spending on silly things and that you're really you make a plan for yourself so that you can enjoy those things so that you can take vacation so that you can go out to eat so that you can um, buy new clothes, which are luxuries for many, many people in this world. And um, it does make it easier if you have an income to support that lifestyle. I mean, it's just a fundamental need. Absolutely. It's a fundamental need to have money. So when rich people tell poor people that they don't need money to be happy, it makes them even feel worse that they can't get the money, hmm. in I my opinion. I thought about that. Like, if, if somebody tells me, if I'm miserable, which I was miserable for a lot of years because I was 20 and I was a boy and I had my own shit and I was an athlete and I wanted stuff that I couldn't get to and... So I was angry and I was miserable and people would look at me like money's not going to make you happy. I'm like, that's easy for you to say. You have it. You have more money than you know what to do with. Mm -hmm. I don't have any. And I'm trying to get to a place and I don't have the skills and I don't have the knowledge and I don't have the network and I don't have the money to buy in. So I just have to keep fighting tooth and nail to get scraps. Right. So for me, you're not going to meet anybody on the street with no money and no home, that's happy, that doesn't have a mental illness. 
period. I, 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 I challenge anybody to show me a person that is homeless and has zero money without a mental illness and is like, yeah, I'm great. This is what I want. You will find mental illness in that human being somewhere because you need certain fundamental things to live your life, to enjoy your life. And you're absolutely right. You, the amount of money you have or the amount of money you need is solely based on you. Mm -hmm. If you can live off of X amount of dollars and you don't need more, that's great. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to go get more money if you don't need more money. What I'm trying to do is change the narrative of stop telling people that are sad and struggling that money's not going to help because it will. It will help. Mm -hmm. It will help when you don't have to worry if your car is going to break down and you're going to be able to get to work. It will help when you don't have to choose between filling up your gas tank in your car and buying bread for your kids. Mm -hmm. Like be, having to split that mm -hmm. is a very difficult choice. So money will support your happiness at every, at every level. And that doesn't mean you have to be rich. It doesn't mean that you have to have an exuberant amount of money. It just means that you have to figure out how to get money mm -hmm. and how that's going to work for you. And hopefully it's a healthy way of getting it. You're not breaking the law. You're not being immoral. You're not... Mm -hmm breaking any sort of, you know, trust or, or anything with anybody else. But the more we tell people that money's not going to make them happy, the less motivated they are going to be to work. Because if I don't need money to be happy, then why would I work? Why would I go after anything? So I am completely, I've given this a lot of thought over the last, like probably the last six to eight weeks. I've really just sat on this thought and been thinking about it. I listen to a lot of Gary Vee. Do you know who Gary Vee is? No. Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm -hmm. You should check him out. He has good messaging, but I'll, I love him and I hate him all at the same time. Love the guy. Can't wait to meet him. Think he's great. Think he's a great, great, great message. But he's one of the people that says, you know, money's not going to make you happy. Um, but the point is, is he has videos where it's like, find what you love. Find what you love and do that and find a way to – he tells a lot of people that, that want to be thought leaders how to become thought leaders. Like, this is how many times you need to post. This is what you need to do. Just create content about the stuff that you love. And I gave that a lot of thought because I've spent the greater part of my adult life and my childhood infatuated with movies and the idea of movies. And the reality is, is I did not and I do not love making movies enough to make it my whole life otherwise it would be my whole life mm -hmm. but what i have been infatuated with what i am completely obsessed with is achievement i am absolutely obsessed with other people's achievement like the idea that you went to school for liberal arts you wanted to be a lawyer then you wanted to be a social worker then you went into insurance and then you were like and you found um physical fitness and we're like, this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. And you found a path to it. I'm obsessed <laughs> with how you got to that point. I'm obsessed with how you made it happen. I'm obsessed with the idea of achieving a goal. Mm -hmm. And you've already stated, like, your next goal is to support yourself 100% on that. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean to you? What does supporting yourself fully mean to you? It just make it means making enough um, 
money to live the same lifestyle that I have now, you know, which is um, affords me the ability to do a lot of extra things. And um, in order to do that, you know, I need to grow my business and I need to continue to do that. And I'm at a position where, you know, I, I have to work full time and I have to pay my bills, obviously. Um, but I have this this burning passion over here that I just want to like lean more into and more into. And what I struggle with is ultimately balance, right? Because as I said, um, I work over probably closer to 50, 60 hours a week for my full-time job. And then on top of it, I'm teaching, which are 50-minute classes. Most classes are 50 minutes. One class is 30. And I teach 16 to 18, sometimes 20 of those a week. And then I have a fiance, I have a family, I have three dogs, um, you know, and I have a life outside of that. And I, oh, by the way, I need to manage my business. I need to manage it from a social perspective, from a financial perspective, from a planning perspective, uh, from an innovation perspective. I have to do payroll. I have to pay my taxes. There's so much that goes into it. Um, And, you know, it's finding the time to do that. So for me, I like to, um, you know, I, I, as I said, I teach every morning, I teach every evening. So on the weekends, I like to try to get caught up with everything that I need to do. Um, but I have a lot of late nights. I have a lot of very early mornings. And I do not have a lot of time for things that do not interest me. You know, things that I'm not passionate about, things that I'm not interested in. And I think by putting all of my extra into the my passions and things that are important to me I think that that's why my business has been able to survive for almost six years right because it shows um, I care about my clients I care about my team I care about my brand and I care about my customers and my clients that are that are are there to be better and I want to help them get there and so for me you know in terms of getting to where I was, it was, okay, I'm not going to be a lawyer and fight for for people. I'm not going to be a social worker and counsel them, but I can do this. And it's, it's, it's all the same qualities, you know, care, safety, um, you know, again, helping people with their own personal goals. What's very different about the way that I run my business and the way that I teach my classes is that I actually care about my clients. You know, I'm not a big box gym. I don't, I, I don't, you don't walk in and swipe a card and the, per, the person there doesn't acknowledge you, right? Every person that works for me, every client that comes to my studio, everyone acknowledges you, knows your name, knows your goals, knows the name of your, your wife, your kids, your dog, um, you know, what you do for a living, what kind of car you drive, um, in case, you know, you left your sunroof open and it starts to rain, we can run out and we can run upstairs or downstairs and tell you, um, because we care, you know, and you look at other, I think that's what really separates my facility from other facilities. Also, if there's a person with an injury, they come in and, you know, I go to, and it's, it is a, it's a boutique fitness facility so that means our classes are not huge right I'm not teaching to 50 people I'm teaching to like five ten people 15 people max so when you come in and I have look around the room and I'm like oh this one's got a shoulder injury and this one has you know um 
a tricep injury and this one can't uh, just like is overcoming a hernia or whatever and all these injuries which people have and as as an instructor I know and so does my team um, we can modify and we can make it their experience versus my experience so it's my passion to help people and to see them succeed but really my passion is to see them succeed and to see them be healthy and to see them engaged right I don't want to look out and teach my classes to people who are bored right I want to talk to them while we're working out and make it fun so that they're not even thinking they're exercising. If I could, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me, wow, that class went by really fast. I mean, this is exercise we're talking about. This is a workout, right? Yeah. You, you have to work. Like you're sweating and you're huffing and puffing. And then at the end for them to say, wow, that went by so fast. I can't believe that was 50 minutes because they enjoyed it. Right. And that's what makes me want to give more is that feeling. Have you read Simon Simon Sinek's Start With Why? I have not. You should. It's amazing. Okay. And if you if you don't have time to read, listen to it. Like there's an audio version. But Start With Why is the idea of why you do what you do. And once you find your why and you really make it concise for you, mm-hmm. everything around it for your brand starts to come together. Right? So like our why is functional fun. Mm-hmm. everything we do because we create content. Mm-hmm. We're a content creation company for other businesses. Yep. So everything we ha- do has to be functional and it has to be fun. Otherwise, the content's going to suck. If it's boring, right, and it's yep. not functional, then it's going to be useless right. and, and, and bad. Like, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty simple and it's pretty straightforward. But now, whenever we do anything, we focus on the idea of, is that going to be fun? Is it going to be functional for our client? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then we have to find a way to make it fun Mm -hmm. so it can be functional. Yep. Right? So once you figure out that why, it really helps develop the brand around that why. Yeah. And we encourage all of our clients to to figure out what their why is so we can create content around your why. Mm -hmm. Because once you have your why, it makes our job that much easier for you to help you grow your brand. Right? So I think, and then once you have that why, you can start instilling it in your staff. You can start instilling it in your team, your clients, your, your customers, whatever you call them, whatever your people are. You can start instilling that why in them and they go, oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then when people come to work for you, when they know that that's your why, they'll know if they're a fit or not, mm-hmm. right? Like when I look at somebody and say, hey, look, our, and I'm looking to employ them, like, look, we're, we're functional fun. Right. Which means we're going to be, we're going to be loudmouthed, vulgar people most of the time, <laughs> laughing and joking in our space, and we're going to be respectful of our clients and our other people during that time. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to make jokes. We're artists. Like we have to have a creative space. So our human resource policy here is, if somebody's feelings get hurt, we are adults. You need to say that hurts my feelings. Please don't joke about that. Right. And that person has to say, oh, sorry, I didn't know. Won't happen again. And then it's over and it won't happen again. And then somebody can let somebody know, hey, just so you know, so-and-so, this is off limits for them. Just putting it out there so everybody knows. Cool. Done. It allows us to respect boundaries, have fun, mm-hmm. and be functional. Absolutely. Right? I also grew up in a time where we were not allowed to talk about three things, politics, religion, and money. I think that's stupid. <laughs> I think those are the only three things we should talk about. <laughs> Like, I just, like, I don't even know why we don't talk about those three things. 
so we have a podcast about money, right? Um, so in that, what steps are you taking to grow your business? Hmm. Such a loaded question. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that we're doing is we are reevaluate. We are, we are talking to our clients, right? To say, what do you want? Because again, we're boutique center. We cater to them. So what is it that you want? What types of classes? What types of services? What times work for you? What types of instructors are you looking for? What types of personalities? That's number one. Um, number two is trying to hire, and I do have an active hiring strategy, um, for some new instructors to come in. And part of that is input from our clients about what it is that they are looking for, what type of personality, what type of brand, et cetera, are they looking for so that we can execute on that. Um, we are looking at new space as well, um, which is a big deal because we definitely invested heavily in renovation of our current space and we have been there almost six years um, and potentially looking to change towns which means we're going to be introducing a whole new set of clientele and also trying to balance how do we continue to retain our current clientele knowing that they might need to drive an extra seven minutes to get to our place in another town um, so those are some of the big deal things. But with that move, we would be able to um, have more space. We could do um, simultaneous classes, you know, running at the same time so that we can um, service more people. So, um, you know, those are sort of the first steps to make that happen, to grow our business. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's in flight. Uh this is a terrible time of year. Like basically from July through September is a terrible time of year for any type of fitness gym, regardless Why? of if you're small, medium, or large. Because um, the summer, and now it's perfect weather in New England, right? People are outside. They're walking. They're running. They're um, riding their bike while they still can, right? And so um, – the really overall heavy execution of this is going to come in the later colder months. Um, that's when we have our clients, our, our outdoor cycling clients come back. Uh, that's when they tell their friends, you know, come back. So part of the smaller um, steps to that overall input is, um, you know, a, a, a referral program, right? refer a friend, bring somebody with you um, to class, let's do an open house. All of those, like, to me, tactical things um, really are all about the bigger picture, which is hearing voice of our, our clients and understanding what it is they want and then developing all of these larger um, areas to focus on with all of these little sub areas on the side. Yeah. Hope that answers your question. It does. So you, you spend a lot of time focusing on the marketing piece. We spend a lot of time focusing on our clients. Um, and word of mouth is the best way to build a business, especially in our in my business. Um, and so, you know, again, we really care about our clients. Um, you know, someone, one of our recent new clients had surgery. And I checked in with him, you know, two weeks later. And his comment was, I, that's never happened to me. Um, we have a guy who 
works who comes to work out two or three times a week but he lives in Manhattan and he works in Connecticut and he comes and he said I belong to this ridiculously expensive club for 12 years and no one even said my name ever in 12 years he's like you're yelling it out in class you're welcoming me you're asking me about my day you know that's the kind of connection that we make with people and then if I know that works then it's how do I take that um and 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 I say market but it's not it's not like it's not visual content and social media it's it's how do I take that and continue to do that and leverage that skill right to connect with people and have my team leverage that skill in a very genuine way it's not fake right. I won't hire people that are fake you know like you have to care about people oh yeah you have to want them to succeed and you have to have a personality that is likable you know, because nobody wants to take a class from somebody who's like five, four. And, and trust me, I've been in this business for 22 years. I have seen it. You know, I've gone to conferences where I've paid thousands of dollars to go to New York, to go to Boston. And I'm sitting, I'm taking this class and I'm like, how do they hire this person? Put me up on that stage. I'll teach the class. Woo! You know, let's make it fun. And so that's, that's again, that's leveraging um, the connection with people to move it forward. I mean, authenticity is king. I have a theory that quality people provide quality services and products. Focus on quality people, the service and product will speak for itself. Yeah, and we also focus on, like, my team is a very diverse team. Um, I have a, a guy who works for me who has um, severe atrophy in one of his arms, and he um, had a very bad injury. 15 or 16 years ago and he lost the use of one of his arms and he is a certified personal trainer and he teaches cycling and people love him because he's tells his story how did it happen here's what happened to me and I'm open about it he's open about it um I have a, a former um I have a veteran who was in the military for many years and she was a nurse and uh she retired and now works um you know a full-time job elsewhere and in, in the on the you know, commercial side of the house. And, um, you know, she's, she's uh, bubbly and, and just brings that perspective. But at the same time, there's that little bit of like militant training, you know, like we're going to have fun, but we're going to be strict and we're going to do it. And it's going to be woo. And you know what, get your shoulders back and you know, whatever. People like that because it's different. And then I have a woman who works for me who's 65 years old. And if you saw this woman on the street, you would think, oh my gosh, she is so fit. 65, you know, that's, a senior citizen, right? And I and it's real. And then people see that and I think they're like, wow, I hope I look like her when I'm 65, right? And so we have a good diverse mix of people. And I think that when I'll say, you know, you know, people in the community see that, they're like, wow, I can relate. Or I can't relate and I'm curious, you know, or wow, that's really motivating. And oh my gosh, this man who has a, a disability is te- is doing this. I can do that. Or this woman who's 25 years older than me is doing this. I can do that. You know, it's 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 motivating for people. And so, I want to connect um, my team and and that vision as well to the community and and think I've done a pretty good job. You know, That's I mean, good. I have people of all ages, all shapes, all sizes, all fitness abilities. I have people who are college athletes that come when they're on school break. 
meanwhile, I have people who um, are retired. I have people, moms. I have dads. I have, you know, everybody in between. And, uh, you know, it, it's a good mix. How are you utilizing social media to help you grow your business? Um, are you? We are. I mean, we we have um, – we do a lot of Google advertising. Um, that's our biggest um, – you know, advertising element at this point in time. Um, we do have a pretty active Facebook page. We have a um, private page as well that we use to engage our, um, I'll say, unlimited members, people that come to us. What kind of shit are you posting? Um, we post a lot of milestone recognitions. Again, encouragement for people, things that they've accomplished. Um, you know, I do a lot of, you know, stories on Instagram about people who have hit milestone classes, hundred classes, or, um, maybe they got their cycling personal record, or, um, maybe they, uh, you know, you know, adopted a dog and the dog is in the photo with them. You know, it's just, it's really personal. Um, and it's that connection. I think that what's interesting is, um, a lot of our clients are not on social media, um, yet when we ask people how they heard of us, uh, besides word of mouth and Google, of course, a lot of people will say Instagram or Facebook. Well, social media is just word of mouth. Yeah. That's really all it is. Yeah. It's just a place to fucking hang out in yeah. on the internet. We I compare a- it to a bar. Like you, you can, like they're all different types of bars, right? right? So LinkedIn is like a professional bar where you might loosen your tie. People are still going to flirt with each other. People are still going to be inappropriate, but it's a little bit more professional. It's a little bit more like, okay, we're we're still on the clock. We have to be careful. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, they're all like the club. Yeah. The lighting's weird. You don't look like your pictures. You don't look like you do in the club when you get home. That little soft it just filter. Yeah, it just is what it is. And then Facebook's kind of like a bunch of different dive bars where you might get hit with a chair. You just got to be careful. Yeah. Right? But it's all just socializing. It's all just word of mouth. Yeah. So that's where social media can be super strong, especially mm-hmm. for a business like yours, where you start showcasing the culture of your business rather than just the milestones and rather than just the people you focus on the culture of the people that are there yeah you start introducing that's them what in we're that, that's yeah. everything that we do i mean if you go to our page pages that's it's always about the people that are there yeah. you know and, and very rarely is it anything else um and i do a lot of um uh, motivational posts too like funny sayings and things just to get people kind of awake you know yep. um but I try not to overpost too because I feel like with the Facebook algorithms and Instagram algorithms, like they get lost, you know. So I try to make the posts meaningful, but also connect with people that I'm talking about in the post. How many times are you posting? Um, maybe five times a week, four times a week. That's decent. Yeah. That's decent. Yeah. I encourage gyms to post like twice a day. Gyms? Yeah. Hmm. Gyms and like fitness and trainers twice a day. In the stories and on your feed. Yeah. So, like, I do probably, a combination. Like, stories you should probably do, like, two a day. And then you can post, like, four or five times a week. But your stories is where – so the story – do you know the, the algorithm of Facebook? I'm sure you've done a little bit of research with I it. I have, but, I mean, it's so the, constantly changing. So. so the stories skip the algorithm. Yep. Everybody sees the stories. If, so If they want to click on them. Right. But a lot of people do. Yeah. Right? And there's a lot of people out there that – are potential new clients that are going to swipe through the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they become more infatuating and more interesting to people as they start introducing reels into them and introducing yeah. so the more and like people started just doing that swipe through reels and and that whole shtick um it's very interesting some of the reels that i've made where they've gotten thousands of views and they're like mine they're i'll say they're they're silly yep. you know and then and then the ones where i'm like oh let me put a lot of thought into this and let me make sure i put this frame and this and this and this and then i and put it out hit. there and it's like a hundred people saw it I'm like well yeah spent an hour making that thing no i'm kidding but but that's it it's like but that's the reality is the algorithm dictates what is going to be seen by people and then it's about comments and shares and likes right the more people that share it Mm -hmm. it moves up the algorithm the more people that comment it moves up the algorithm the more people that like it yes and no Mm -hmm. it's really about the interactions of the heavy interactions of commenting right so if you can get your your team to start commenting and your people to start commenting that's where you really start to win on the algorithm yeah. in Facebook. <coughs> um, excuse me. But with that said, so you go from a small town mm-hmm. of 34 people in your graduating class yep. to a university, a state university, mm-hmm. into how big is the insurance company you work for? 20,000 employees. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then how many people, how many employees and how many clients do you have at your gym roughly? Um, we have about uh, seven, seven to eight employees, give or take, um, you know, the month and the, the season. And um, clients, uh, active clients, a couple hundred. Yeah, so... What's that culturally like for you to go from such a small town and a small group of people into such a gigantic ocean of insurance and then start to build something that you want to be bigger, I assume? Like, obviously, you want to build your culture mm-hmm. and your your family larger in that space. How are you, how are you handling that, and how are you... I mean, I am a big believer in a strong support network. You know, I can't do it myself. You know, fortunately, I have a very supportive fiance who um, is part owner and does do a lot of uh, work on the back end, you know, the tech, um, our website, um, the Facebook and Google algorithms and everything. Uh, He's actually very skilled in that. And, um, you know, but but I, I love my team. I love my people. And I have really great clients that I can call and say, you know what, we're doing a charity event for this person. Um, you know, I'd really like you to participate. Can you help rally people to come? You know, because I think it's a good, I think you like the cause. And they do, which is great, you know. Um, but I can't take credit for, for do this by myself. It is a collection of people. Uh, you use the word family. I really do believe that Empowered is a family. It really is a community of people who genuinely care about each other and that's what makes it real and that's what makes it have to have sustained the pandemic and to be growing and you know to have such a wonderful vibe when you walk in and so I don't it's not me it's it's everybody else and it's everything else around me um you know we've certainly had our ups and downs um the pandemic was very very hard and um, we just had an appreciation party two weeks ago, and I got very emotional because the peop- the clients that were there, I-, I thanked them. I just said, you know, 
we, we were in a hole and you guys pulled us out. Like you really pulled us out. And, um, you know, that's what's been, that's what to me is, is so motivational and it makes me want to keep going. It makes me want to give back because they helped me, you know. So how many classes do you have a day at the gym? Um, at Empowered? We have about four to five, depending on the day. Four to five per day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. We have about 30, 30, 35 a week. So I'm curious as to why you don't just do more classes there and <laughs> leave. Physically, it's really challenging to teach that many classes. Yeah. Um, I would probably weigh like 90 pounds if I did that. <laughs> um, uh, it's just physically impossible to do that okay. many classes, um, especially cycling and other classes where you're demonstrating. We still do have a virtual presence. So sometimes I can get away with, and I do, I walk around and correct people on their form. And now that, you know, people are not, no longer nervous from the pandemic, I can actually correct them again and walk over and throw their shoulders back and things. But we do have a virtual um, arm as well. So, you know, it's hard to do that when you're trying to explain to people online, like you actually have to show them. So I have to have the weights in my hand and show them how to do it. Um, I can't walk around and, and touch them. So you're, I'm doing the classes. We are all doing the classes. There's very few classes where we're just coaching from afar and standing up. We, we, we have a circuit class, which we do that, where we're, you know, we put up different stations. People go station to station. And sure. you might do deadlifts over here. And you might do, like, some um, ab workout over here and TRX upper body workout over here and you keep rotating and those I'm not actually going in with them and doing it I'm walking around and I'm saying you know chin up shoulders back butt back whatever and and helping them you know coaching them but those are we don't offer a lot of those types of classes you know because our our biggest forte is definitely cycling you know and I, I coach off the bike and I walk around but for me to do that 35 hours a week there's no way physically I could do that makes sense just curious yeah so I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this so it'll make sense. Okay. But obviously health matters to you. I assume physical and mental health both because you've talked about wanting to be a social worker or a therapist or help Mm -hmm. people in that genre. So what are like the three most important things you think matter in physical and mental health? Like, what are the three things you need, the three most important things you need to support your life as a being? I think you need balance. I think you need support network. And I think you need a positive attitude. I I mean, I think if you don't have those three things, then you're going to fail at anything, right? Um, I think you can be independently um, strong and independently try to get as far as you can. But you mentioned it. You can only go so far without Mm -hmm. a network. You can only go so far without um, people that sort of show you the ropes or mentor you or introduce you to somebody that can take you to the next level. And I think if you're a very negative person and you don't um, have anything good to say, then you're going to fail because no one's going to be want to be around you and you're just going to bury yourself in dread. You know, you're going to go into a depression, depressed state or a real negative state, angry, depression, whatever it is. And um, I, I think that those things are so critical in order to succeed at anything. And, and you, you know, I know this is um, – you're talking about money and happiness. 
And I think you layer that on top and you have a great package, you know. But I don't think if you have the, don't have those three fundamental things to start, then it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or anywhere in between, you're, you're not going to be successful. So how do you do that? How do you stay positive and balanced? Like how do you – like it's a struggle. It's a struggle for a lot of people, especially coming out of the pandemic. For mm-hmm. young people, for young women, uh, it's got to – like I have a 13-year-old – I have two 14-year-old girls that live in my house. Man, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So how do you – how do you teach one balance and positivity and how do you maintain it? So I'm very blessed to have a very extroverted personality and also a very uh, energetic personality. And so I am a go-getter. I get up. I don't snooze the alarm. I get up. I start my day. I get up at the same time every day, even on vacation. What time? 6 a.m., if not naturally wake up earlier than that. Um, And I, the first thing I do is like a positive affirmation. So what am I grateful for today? in this moment. And it could be that I finally got eight hours of sleep. Or it could be that um, I have my fiance laying next to me. Or it could be something more like today's a big day and I'm so excited about, you know, X, Y, Z. And you do that in your head or you do it out loud? No, I do it in my head um, because my fiance is sleeping and so are my dogs. Um, So I, I do it in my head and I focus on that and I get up and I, you know, take care of my morning routine. And then I go and teach and I start Everybody that comes in, it's good morning. How are you doing today? You know, how are you feeling? And even if I'm not feeling 100%, I think about that one positive thing and that keeps me going. Um, And it's no secret. A lot of people do that. A lot of people have, you know, positive affirmations as part of their daily practice and meditation practice and things like that. But for me, it's like my life could be so much worse. You know, it could be terrible. But I choose to like overcome adversary, adversary, adverse, adversary situations. I'll say that. I'm um, adverse. Oh my gosh. Adversity? Going? Adversity. Thank you. You're welcome. Make sure you edit that Just out. Just here to Just help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, and, and I, I'm very resilient. And I mean, you talk about health and wellness. The reason why I am so passionate about health and wellness is because I actually have had two life threatening diseases in my life. Really? When I was a baby, I had um, an, uh, a reaction to the MMR shot, measles, mumps, rubella, and I was um, diagnosed with hemolytic anemia, which is a um, blood disorder, and I nearly died. In fact, my parents, the doctors told my parents, prepare for her to die. This is when I was 18 months old. Jesus. And then when I was eight years old, I had viral encephalitis which is inflammation of the brain. And I was in a coma for 10 days. I was in the hospital for 18 days, I think. Um, And again, while I was comatose, they were told, you know, prepare. And um, I woke up and I I never let that get me down. I mean, I had to go to the hospital for all these tests every every week and and month. And then it was every week, then it was every month. And, um, you know, I kind of, always reflected on that and said, you know, I need to stay, I, as long as I can keep my, my, my body active and my mind thinking about things and reading and, and writing and, and learning. Um, I always tell people like the one thing that 
you know, you could, and I, and this was actually advice that was given to me. Um, you know, you can lose your job. You could go through a pandemic. You could all these things happen to you. But one thing that you can't learn, uh, that one thing that you can't lose is your education, right? Like you, you, no one's going to take that from you. So keep learning. And so in terms of my business, I continue to learn different modalities that I can teach, different types of exercises, different types of props I can incorporate into my class, um, different type of ga- games I can play to keep it interesting, um, different venues that I can reach out to and say, hey, can we host an outing at your brewery or can we host an outing at your restaurant or at your vineyard or wherever, you know, just to kind of keep it fun. And um, I did an event at a local nail salon, you know, just to mix it up, you know, let's, let's go there and let's do a little outing there and have a class. And, um, you know, I, I could have decided like I could, I'm, I'm sick. I'm going to live my life completely different. And I didn't, I, even from a young age, eight years old, I said, you know what, this is important to me. I'm going to make time for it and I'm going to live a positive life. How old were you when you were in a coma? I was eight. Eight years old. Do you remember it? Oh, I, re- I, re- I don't remember being in the coma, but I remember waking up and, yeah, being in the hospital. Being in the coma is just like sleep. Yeah, but you don't remember. I didn't remember anything. But there's, yeah, but there's no. My brain had reverted to like when I was two years old. The first time I woke up, um, my parents said that I was speaking like mama, dada, like I was two. And then I, you know, went back to sleep and slipped into the coma. And then the next time I woke up, I was like, you know, my eight-year-old self, and the first thing I asked for was some ice cream. Ironically, I own a fitness studio, and I'm asking for ice cream. Maybe this is why. Um, but anyway. Um, I mean, ice cream's good. <laughs> and then later in my adult life, I had a very – I'm not going to get into all the details, but a very weird situation. And ultimately, I was stalked um, from prison, from this person that was in prison that I had never met, and he mistaken me for somebody else by the same name and um, I received three letters from him and the police were involved and one of them was hey I'm getting out of prison I'm going to be living in a halfway house in Hartford and I want to see you and I mean he sent it to my home address so that made me a little nervous Um, and I could have like that's it I'm changing my name I'm moving I'm whatever and I just chose to live my life you know i assume I, you never responded yeah i went to the police you went straight to yeah. the police yeah. and we're like this is this is happening <laughs> yeah i'm gonna need this to stop <laughs> i'm gonna need this to stop right now but you know i could have let that totally ruin me you know i yeah. mean i i've been through divorce you know i mean i've had some really crappy moments in my life and where i could have been like this is it i'm just gonna go like sit in a corner and and cry and not overcome this but I think about all the good things. And, and, and yes, I've worked very hard. I am a hard worker. Um, and I'm grateful that I can be a hard worker, you know, that I, that I have the drive to do that. Um, but there are a lot of things in life where it could have gone pretty south for me. Drive's a weird thing, right? Yeah. Like, there, I, I don't grasp the concept of not having it because I have so much of it that when I encounter people without it, it confuses me in the sense of, like, how do you not want more? Mm. How do you not want better? Yeah. How are you content with where you are? And that's also to a detriment for me because yeah. I never end up content and I never go, okay, this is enough. That's kind of sad, Danny. It is sad, right? Yeah. But it's true. It's real. And I'm aware of it so I can work on it. Yep. But that's real. Like, like I told you, this is, 
this is our third location in this building because we've been growing and we've only been doing this version of the business for four years. So to grow this big mm-hmm. that fast. That's awesome. It, it is awesome. But now I'm still like, okay, how do I get the whole floor? Right. How do I get 20 people working in here? How do I get a hundred businesses? How do I help all of these people achieve their goals? How do I get more people to get to where they want to be? Because like I said, I'm infatuated with achievement. Mm-hmm. You, In- did. you said that before. Infatuated with I, it. I think, I mean, I'm a competitive person. So I think that that like was just the just the competitive nature like in in school I always did sports and competed in something and um, I also studied um, voice and so I would sing and I would get judged on my singing and you know if it wasn't good enough I knew it wasn't good enough so I would want to practice more and more and more and you know same thing with all the sports I played and things and it's like well I don't want to lose I don't want to come in second. I want to come in first, right? right? And everyone's like, "Oh my God, you broke your you broke your personal record, you know, you broke the the tournament record or whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, but mm, you know what? I didn't pitch a you know perfect game or you know I did you play really, softball. I did. I played softball. I played my daughter I played basketball. Softball. You know, and it was like you know I, there was always something more I felt like I could be doing. Um, same thing with my grades. You know, oh my gosh." got a B plus or an A minus why didn't I get that A or A plus whatever you know like it's it's like that type A um um one of my grad school professors said you are so type A you are type A on steroids and that's how I am like everything to me is like I want it to be perfect and that also you mentioned it's kind of been a detriment to you a little bit it is a detriment to me too but I have learned to I think I think this comes with age I've learned to accept and I've also learned to kind of think about like what I have and and appreciate the goodness in that. Is there a, like a little bit of, oh, I wish I had more? Of course, it's human nature, right? But I think I'm to a point where I am content, um, you know, professionally, socially, I'm content. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop to going to that next or striving to get to that right. next place. Right. And that's kind of it. Like it's, so when I say that I was a terrible student, worst, I was just bad at it. And I wasn't a terrible student in the sense of like, I don't want to be a good student. I was a terrible student in the sense that my brain didn't work the same way as other kids. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that because nobody checked in on that. Like nobody was like, Hey, does your brain work different? Maybe this is why this isn't working. And I was so good at being manipulative. Mm. And I don't think manipulative is a bad thing to, to clear that up. Like there's, there's bullying and then there's manipulation. For me, bullying is being mean to people so you get what you want and hurting them. Manipulation is making them happy so you can get what you want. Like if I can make you happy and I can get what I want, then there's no harm, no foul. Like I'm not trying to take something from you. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying for a win-win. That to me is mani- the best version of manipulation. How do I get to a win-win? Because there's no other word in the dictionary that I know of that allows that to occur. The only way to get to a win-win is a manipulation. To, to get you to understand that, hey, this is going to be beneficial for you, but also it's going to be beneficial for me. So I got really good at that in school where it was just like, oh, okay. And when I don't like something, I just stop it. Or if I'm not good at something and I don't want to be good at something, I just stop doing it. So I don't get stuck on stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't get to a point where like, I need to be good at this. I get to a point where I'm like, hmm, that doesn't interest me. Yeah. I don't like that thing. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. I, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. And, and I do a lot of coaching 
you know, my day job as well. And I'm always like, well, you can't, you're not going to teach somebody that, that is, is not a good public speaker to become a good public speaker. But if that person's a great writer, let's teach them how to write better. If they can do that and that's their strength, let's, let's make that, let's, let's put our effort into strengths versus for focusing on weaknesses. Well, it becomes that conversation about nature versus nurture, right? I am a huge believer in genetics. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with six adopted siblings and I adopted my niece who is from an adopted sibling. So none of my genetics are in her. Mm -hmm. I see the genetics. I saw them in the kids I grew up with. I see them in her. And so for me, I came up with this theory of, okay, well, let's nurture what's in their nature, right? So if you have an obsessive personality where you might be an addict, then let's encourage you to be addicted to positive things. Let's encourage you to find things that you'll love that are positive and healthy, right? So we take what's in your nature and we figure out a way to manipulate it into something that we can nurture, mm -hmm. right? So we get caught up in this nature versus nurture thing that a bunch of people still have this argument about like, what's more important, nature or nurture? I think it's both. I think it's a combination. I think you have to accept what's in somebody's nature, who they are, how they work, how they operate, and then encourage them in a positive direction to get an outcome that fits what your needs are. Whether you're a coach or a boss or a friend or a family member, if we're not encouraging the best out of each other, what the fuck is the point? Hmm. Like, it's weird to me when people like shit on each other hmm. or like hold each other bound or get jealous of each other. Like, there's no room for it if you want to reach your achievement. Your achievement has to become a collaboration or it won't work. If you expect to, to be able to achieve the highest of heights in whatever you're doing and you think you can do it by yourself, you're crazy. Absolutely. You're crazy. I don't, I, I've, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of somebody being by themselves on a mountaintop becoming the greatest thing in the world at whatever it is they're doing. You, you just need people. Mm -hmm. So you need I'm, that support network. Right. You need that support. You need – and I think that's one of the things where – I that's another part of the narrative of like money's not going to make you happy and college is bullshit. That's the conversation right now. Those are the two big talking points of a lot of influencers. Sure, go to college if you want, but it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm, I don't know that that's true. I didn't go to college, but I know what I missed not going to college. And what I missed not going to college was the network of human beings having a shared experience. Mm -hmm. When you have a shared experience with people, it lasts forever. So like my sophomore year, we went, our football team went to the state tournament. I can reach out to any one of those guys today and they will be like, dude, how are you? Because we had a shared experience, mm -hmm. whether we liked each other in the moment or not, it doesn't matter. Cause we had that very specific, very shared experience with each other that was big and heightened. Mm -hmm. When you live together for four years, studying the same materials for four years, having conversations and living life for four years, when you come out of that, you can reach out to those people and say, hey, I'm doing this thing. Who do you got? Who do you know? And there's a shared experience of, fuck, that's awesome for you. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I can't, Yeah, let me, uh, I got a guy. Let me reach out. Let me see. Or I, I know this person. They can do this or this, right? 
So there's value in college that people aren't talking about. Yes, there, there's the value of the education for whatever it's going to be. And you can argue that you can get that education at a library for a much lower rate. But on the same token, you're not going to get that network. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that those people involved. You're not going to have a professor that's been there for 20 years that looks at you as a shining student and goes, you know what? Let me reach out to this guy or girl that was here 15 years ago. They're going to love you. And all of a sudden you have a new career and a new path and a new life because of that network. Mm -hmm. And you need money to go to college and you need a network. Like there's so many things you need to get to where you want to be. And it baffles me when people tell people random weird shit like college doesn't matter or money doesn't matter or like your feelings don't matter. It's weird. They do. They don't matter to anybody else, but they should matter. Like you, who you are as a person matters. Like all of these things are going to affect you down the line. So when I was in New York and I wanted to be an actor and I was focused on that and I was like, this is what I want to do. I had never done it before. So I didn't know if I was something I actually wanted to do or not do. It just seemed like something that I was interested in. I loved movies. I loved the idea of them. I wanted to be part of them. But what I didn't learn that I could have learned in college was what all the positions on film are. And then when, you know, the guy from Law and Order, who was the first AD of Law and Order Criminal Intent, looked at me and said, you know what, kid? When I was 19 years old, said, you should come work for me. And I went, nah, I'm good. I'm doing this thing. (laughs) Cut to like eight years later, I I became an AD. I became that position. And had I went to college or had I had a network of people that I knew that had a shared understanding of what I wanted to do, they could have told me that. Or I could have learned that and had the opportunity to go, oh, okay, well, that's a thing. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew that it wasn't acting. And right now I was focused on that. Also a detriment, not saying yes to things, right? Like, but that was just who I was. I was like, no, I have to do this. This is what I'm doing now. And I've tried a lot of shit. (laughs) (laughs) When you told me before that you um, were into movies and that you worked, I I presumed that it was that you were doing production, you know, not acting. Right. But that's where I started. Like, honestly, the only thing I ever wanted to be when I was a kid was a clown. (laughs) And I did it. I like I still have the paper from when I was in kindergarten that literally says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so I want to be a circus clown. And I went and became a clown with Ringling Brothers from Barnum and Bailey Circus. <laughs> because I remember from a young age, I have been infatuated with fucking achievement. <laughs> like I set a goal and go, how do I get there? Like I've made movies because that's what I wanted to do. I lived in L.A. because that's what I wanted to do. I lived in New York because that's what I wanted to do. I found a way to do those things. And then certain things are out of your hands, right? Like maybe you're not good enough. Like maybe I'm not a good enough filmmaker. That's real. That's possible. A lot of people tell me that I'm good. And a lot of people that I know that are in the industry are like, damn, this is good. This is good stuff. But that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to watch it. Doesn't mean that everybody else is going to like it. Doesn't mean that like, I can't control what other people put on it. Mm -hmm. All I can control is my own achievement. So when I achieve it and when I finish it, 
I'm good with that. Like the idea that I've made movies that are available in the world and that will always be there no matter what, that's just fucking cool to me. <laughs> like it's just, that's an achievement. It's something that, so that's kind of how I think I built my business around that infatuation without even knowing it. Hmm. That's good that you can reflect on that now. Because most of my clients and most of my people, I, the first things I talk to them about is what's your goal? Like, where do you want your business to be? Like, where, like, if you could have your business be whatever you want it to be, where would it be? And I've spent so much time looking at other businesses and other people and other individuals that have achieved shit over the years that I can just see the path. Like, I can literally look at it and go, oh, you want this? Okay, this is how, this is how we get there. This is, this is where we can go. And I just, like, I just see it. Mm-hmm. But that came from being obsessed <laughs> with how to achieve stuff. Yep. And what I learned in that was it takes money, it takes time, and it takes people. I think and it not takes necess- patience, and too. Not necessarily in that order. P- time and patience. Sure. Kind of si- they're kind of simultaneous. They're, yeah, they're kind of synonymous in yeah. that situation, right? Because it's going to take time, so you have to be patient in it. Yep. And that, you know... That's something I struggle with. Patience might be the ADD, but who knows? <laughs> but it is. So I focus a lot on how do we get you there? How do we how do we get you what you want the way you want it? And we get, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to do it. I'm not here to look at my clients and be like, you're doing it wrong. Don't do that. I do say that a lot, <laughs> but it's not... But I only say it once or twice, and then if they still want to do it, I go, okay, well, then this is the path we're going to take. Let's figure out how to make this path work for you in this scenario. Right. Let's, let's try and figure out a way to get you to where you want to be. But the idea that you can get to where you want to be without people or money or time, that's insane. Like, you, like it, t- it takes those things. It takes, it takes that opportunity and that amount of effort to get there. Mm-hmm. And I struggle when I meet people. Like, I'm struggling right now with my daughter. Hugely struggling right now with my daughter. Because I don't know how to explain to her that nobody wants to deal with a victim. It's always, well, my knee hurts. And it's like, she tells everybody, oh, my knee hurts. Or, oh, this hurts. Or, oh, this is what's going on for me. That's a struggle. And it's like, bro... It's fine to say that with people that you've known for a long time. Like if we have a relationship and we're friends and we laugh a lot and we joke a lot and we have a good time together 98% of the time, then I can come to you 2% of the time and be like, man, my life is tough right now. I am struggling and I need help. And you'll get it. But if 98% of the time you're going, man, I'm struggling. People are like, bro, you're struggling too much. I got to get away from you. I can't be near you. And it's so hard to explain that to so many people and help them understand that positivity matters. Looking at where you can go and what you can do and not what's holding you back is how you achieve. It's how you get there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all of that stuff that I, that, like, I love talking to people like you because you're in health and fitness. You clearly were an athlete. You've gone through life and had clearly roadblocks come up from 
absurdity to like, <laughs> more absurdity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's yeah. just like that's like that's a lot. Yep. And you you still went, yeah, I'm gonna be an athlete. I'm gonna run, and I'm gonna pitch, and I'm gonna do this stuff. And testament to your parents for being for not coddling you out of it, and not being like, no, that's not safe. We yeah. have to protect you. They encouraged you, I imagine, to go go after it. They were so, very supportive parents. Absolutely, that's huge. They still are. Like that's like it's so hard to explain how important parents are. Mm-hmm. Like I love my parents to death. I was nothing but loved. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was nothing but but encouraged to do what I want, when I want, how I want, as long as I wasn't being immoral or illegal. Go for it. So I like I'm a rule follower. Right. Like I didn't drink until I was 25. I didn't smoke weed until I was 25. I didn't even like continue to smoke weed until it became legal. And then I don't even really smoke weed. Like I'll take an edible to help me sleep sometimes and that's it. But it wasn't until it was legal. Like I wasn't the guy that was like, how do I find that stuff? Like, how do I get that? I've never been a big drinker, but it's all that stuff that adds up of like, I look at people constantly and I'm like, don't you want more? Don't you want to be better? Some people don't have the drive. I know, but and I want and them And I to. think, I think the thing too is, is that they're content in their own way. And I think it's hard for people like you, people like me who have such high expectations and have such drive to understand why someone could settle. But there are a lot of people that settle. I'm not even talking about the settlers. Like, if you settle and you're happy, high five. Fucking love you. Good for you. Do you. Love that. Hug you. Love you. You're great. It's the people that are like, my life sucks. And it's everybody else's fault. And you're like, bro. Yeah. What did you do today? Right. What did you, what, like, what did you do today to improve your situation? Because, again, nobody wants to be around somebody that's fucking miserable all the time. They just don't. Like, there, there's, a, there's a shelf life of negativity. I'll, I'll endure a, a certain amount of it before I'm like, yeah, we're done. I don't, I, I, like, I got to deal with my own shit. I can't deal with yours, too. Mm-hmm. I need 98% of positive and 2% of negative. Mm-hmm. That's what I need for our relationship to work. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's otherwise you're in my way. Yeah. Right? Like I, I just don't I don't know what to do in that situation. It's a real struggle. But I have people. I have people all over. Like I have clients that, you know, become negative and I have to be like, Yeah, we can't we can't make good content for you if you're negative. Right. Well I that's why that's why I mentioned attitude, because if you don't have that positive attitude, then you're not, then you're not doing the right thing. You're not focusing on the right thing. Like something has to motivate you. Something has to, there has to be that fire. You have to find that flame and light it. And I think people that are not positive are not in the right thing, you know, in that right moment. It's not their, it's not, it's not what they should be doing. It's not who they should be talking to. It's not um, their occupation. You know, like they need to find it. And I think the issue is, is that a lot of people get complacent and they're like, well, I'm paying my bills. This is it. I can do this. Whatever. And then they're unhappy. 
and that that kind of is a downward spiral from there. Right. You know, versus like investing in yourself, investing in your health, investing in your well-being, investing in making yourself better, making yourself feel better, doing things that spark that passion and make you want to continue down that path. Otherwise, you know, you are going to live a miserable life and and you only get one, so you might as well be happy and do something that really makes you drive makes you makes you drive and makes you yeah. feel fulfilled yeah. and that's the thing i get it like i get the struggle like i understand the idea of like well i can't go to the gym because i don't have money well i can't do this because i don't have the money well i can't do this because i don't invest have this. in your health now or right. you will invest in it later absolutely you will pay for it later because yeah. you will be unhealthy you have injuries you will have physical other physical mm-hmm. ailments mental ailments so my thing is is always you pay now or you pay later you know keep living yeah. an active healthy life and um and everybody's definition of active is different i'm not saying t- take 20 classes a week you know take yeah. three get yourself moving take a walk around the block take your dog out you know if you have an overweight dog you're probably overweight yourself like <laughs> Like, get, get up off the couch, you know? It's not untrue. It's not untrue, right? Like, right. you, you got to get moving, right? And so, um, and I'm, I'm not saying that in any sort of negative way. It's, it's more of a joke. But the reality is, is like, it's better to be doing something than to be sitting on the couch eating chips and being sad. Yeah. You know, like, Shit, get better up, than being sad. get up, take those chips in your hand and walk around the block, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. But, you know, like, it, 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 to me, it's just you got to find what, what jives, what makes you, what makes you excited. And for me, it's, it's empowered. It's my studio. It's my people. It's my client. It's my clients. It's my, um, employees. It's all the people around me. It's the community, you know, it's the town of Glastonbury, you know, it's the people that live there and that even if they don't support me by coming to my studio, they're liking my page. They're commenting on Facebook. They're saying, wow, that's such a cool exercise. I think I'm going to try it. Or, wow, I, your studio is so beautiful, you know? And, and then I'm like, well, thanks. You know, that, that means a lot because I put a lot into that, you know? Now come. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, now come out and, and, and join. Yeah. Um, you're inspiring, oh, to thank say you. the least. It's good. You're, you're empowering, ironically. Oh. Um, you have a really cool story. Thank you. You have a really fun story. <laughs> um, so thank you. For thank sharing you for it, having me. Thank you for indulging. Thanks for the me. conversation. Yeah. So you know that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to have because I keep getting that, that same question you had. Are you going to send questions? And it's like I don't really have them until I meet you. <laughs> I'm like genuinely a ridiculously curious person. So I just start to hear stuff, and I go, "Oh, well, that's interesting." What it, like I'm in like the coma thing is curious to me. Like it just is. Like, and it's not because of an illness it's because of well what happens in there what happens and you were eight and it was and uh, and we don't know no right and most people don't remember because i assume it's like a deep sleep i assume it's just we wake up and now here we are but i don't know i was fortunate it was only 10 days that is fortunate (laughs) yeah and i love that you look at everything as the fortunate part of it and the positivity of it and the 
Yeah, good for you. Don't get me wrong. There's still things that make me a little nervous. Of like, course. I feel like as, again, as I, as I get older, I definitely get a little less risk averse when it comes to the physical. Sure. Like, I, I, I recently was on vacation and everyone was cliff jumping and I'm like, mm, I think I'll stay over here and oh, just yeah, swim. Oh, no, I get it. You know, because I'm like, ah, I think I'm to the point where I've taken a lot of risks in life and I've had a lot of stuff happen to me where I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to do that to yeah. have fun. You know, like I can be comfortable and have fun doing this and it, still have a good time. The so. shit I did when I was 20 is not the shit I'm doing in my 40s. <laughs> for sure. Exactly. I, I joke all the time because I, I work out. I have a trainer who's actually one of my clients I love to death. Um, and I work. I, I just joke because I do geriatric exercise most of the time because I played football and wrestled and, and did jujitsu. And I was a clown and I did stunts and my body took abuse when I was young. So now I just, like, some of the shit they have me do, I'm like, is this a joke? Are you just fucking with me? You want me to do what? You just want me to wave my arms. That's it. <laughs> Man, the first few days I went to the gym, this asshole had me just laying down and standing up. I was like, is this real? He's like, yeah, man. I was like, you just want training. me to get down on the floor and get back up. I always say if you can get up without grunting, you're winning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not yet, but <laughs> working up to it. <laughs> you'll get there keep there's going there's very few things I can do without grunting <laughs> um, so tell people where they can find you and uh, Empowered Indoor Cycling and Strength Studio we're at 345 uh, in the Rear Plaza New London Turnpike and our website is empoweredstudio.com thank you so much thank you really appreciate you appreciate you having me we'll have you back alright talk thank you